Welcome to the latest instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by a panel of industry leaders as we discuss another intriguing topic, micromanagement dilemma, balancing control and creativity in the workplace. Now before we go deeper into this topic, let's just make our way around the room with some introductions. I'd like to know who you are, what you do, and also some interests outside of the workplace too. So Saria, since you've already been on the podcast, would you like to kick it off first? Yeah, of course. Thanks, Jake. So I'm Saria Baine. I'm Lebanese, have been living in Denmark for five years. I am the data and AI country lead for Accenture in Denmark. Uh, by education, I'm a civil engineer and I went into tech very early on. So I like to say I went from building bridges to building software. I've predominantly uh, worked in consulting, managing programs and products. And I also do quite a bit of public speaking as part of my career. Uh, I've worked in a lot of places, lived in a lot of countries, so managing different teams is a core competency of mine. And my most recent passion project out of my job is that I've started a YouTube channel to provide mentoring and coaching on career development and success uh, using my own experience. Amazing. Would you like to plug the YouTube channel? Uh, Well, yeah, sure. It's my (laughs) own name, Saria Joseph B. I guess you can find me there. Cool. Interesting. Sorry, I'll have to check that one out after the after the conversation today. Um, Bo, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, my name is Bo. I am uh, actually a Master of Business Administration and Project Project Management and Organizational Change. Um, I started out uh, in in the insurance uh, business, but soon, very soon, found out that that was not my way. Uh, I needed to go in to do something with uh, tech, so I went into computers with absolutely no knowledge of anything, so it's all autodidact. <laughs> and uh, I've been doing project management in that space for yeah around 30 years now. Um, so uh, And basically, the, the, the most of it has been transitions. Uh, used to be data centers, and now it's actually moving estates or applications and uh, uh, stuff systems like that into Azure or any other public cloud for that matter. So I nice. think that's, uh, and I live in Denmark and have lived in Denmark for all my life. <laughs> so <laughs> Cool. Um, just just on that, 30 years experience, wow, that is, that is a long time. That is actually longer than I've, I've been alive, though not to scare you, but... <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, moving on to Tosca, would you like to introduce yourself to us? Yes. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Tosca. I'm originally from Spain. Uh, I also have a technical background. I'm a telecom and IT engineer. Uh, and I've been working for technical companies and in technical positions several years and then slowly moving to management and then leaving the technical segment. Uh, I've been uh, also, like uh, Saria, living all around the world in, in the U.S., the Netherlands, Finland, Russia, Mexico, and now back to to Denmark. Uh, working mostly in uh, management positions uh, for for global companies, but in 2020, I I left my last company and I started um, a company we do consulting on leadership development uh, with a very strong um, sports mindset uh, driven. So, so we try to apply how coaches work in, in sports into, into how leaders could develop their, their teams uh, and uh, even other uh, business management areas uh, with uh, inspired by sports. 
so it's a kind of um, an innovative thing. It's only to my other professional leg, which is in into sports coaching. Uh, but that's uh, another long story. <laughs> <laughs> and what's your favourite sport, Casca? I've been uh, I've been coaching basketball and, and playing basketball all my life. So um, I've been doing it in different levels, um, but uh, mostly elite. So nice, that's cool. Coming from Spain, I was expecting like football or something like that, but basketball. Yeah. Cool. No, we we do okay in basketball. We have a, yeah. we have a, a good league. Yeah. Nice. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. At this point, it's best to move on to the topic in focus, which today is the micromanagement dilemma. So each of you have a statement or question surrounding micromanagement. Would you please please provide your, your initial question or statement, give some context behind it. Um, that'd be great, just so that the listeners can understand where the question or statements came from, and then we can delve deeper into it in a bit more detail. So, um, Bo, would you like to run us through your question or statement, give some context behind it? Yeah, I mean, uh, project management is a, a discipline where you often uh when projects seem to uh go off road uh, and off track uh, you get a lot of ma- management attention uh, and sometimes this management attention uh results in micromanagement uh often seen as okay we need to get this back on track we'll have a meeting every morning uh, to see what we've done where we're going what needs to be done next are there any roadblocks and sometimes this can go on for a pretty long time. I've experienced sometimes it goes on for a month. And it kind of, uh, my experience anyway, is that it kind of sometimes uh, puts a lot of frustration in the team. Uh, and it's not, well, it may be help, might be helpful the first one, two, three days, but then it, it it tends to not be so helpful as it it, it could have been. So uh, the dilemma is like, should management get into that uh, depth of a project, or should they actually maybe be more guiding than than actually um, participating? What do you think, guys? Costco, anything to to mention? Yeah, uh, so so I think uh, uh, in general, a leader needs to know uh, how to delegate uh, and how to get the most out of their team. Uh, so when you micromanage, basically you're you're canalizing all all decisions and, uh, and and most activities through you, which is usually slowing down. As you mentioned, I can understand, and it's also linked to maybe the development phase of the of the different employees that uh, in an early stage you you want to give more direction. But even in that case, you you want to leave room to make mistakes and to learn and develop from it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've also well, I've been leading several teams for for many years, 
but I've also been uh, in the management position and I, I tend to, you know, ask people to, can you do this or this, or will you please do this? And then I don't interfere anymore unless they come back to me and ask me for some guidance or something. And I think you're, you're, you're quite right that you need to be able to delegate and trust your employees. And if you have people who are not senior, but who are maybe not that mature, well, give them a chance. I mean, uh, maybe they would appreciate just getting a little bit of a challenge, not not too much uh, in each uh, phase, but but maybe you know they people tend to grow with challenges. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think my input is uh, that what you are talking about, Bo, about the growing and Costco, the grooming, that kind of ties to my question. But for now, I think what my input is, I do understand that in certain incidents, uh, management is human. At the end of the day, you feel like you need to make sure the outcome is going to be hit uh, because our main job is to protect our teams. But at the end of the day, there is our hide that we need to look out for. So I think I what I would summarize in the way that touch points are needed obviously but to avoid micromanagement maybe what i would uh, there are like four points i would basically or maybe five that i would look at first i would be very clear with my objectives i would involve the people knowing what my end point is so what is the objective of all of this because i guess if the team doesn't know the objective they honestly are just trudging along guessing what they're doing and then the second thing is also defining milestones. Now, we're all very buzzed up about Agile in the recent 10 years, even though it's not that new, it's very old, but we're very excited about it nowadays. And people tend to forget that even Agile has milestones. So give your team the milestones, give them the objectives you want to, you want to set, get to. And I think also giving expectations of quality of if there is a need for certain speed it's basically just giving them the right setup and uh, providing direction rather than a law to follow and then the last thing i would say because i've personally seen this as well uh where we tend to have to micromanage because things aren't getting done even though if we end in consultancy this happens a lot even though on the ground it's really not an issue of the team not doing their job it's an issue of understaffing lack of skill sets so i think to start with having to put the right individuals in the right place giving the right resources putting sufficient staffing and skills and then giving them the the like the territory and then letting them decide how to get to the yeah. end result. Yeah, uh, I, I especially like you mentioned lack of resources or lack of skills because that tends to be the issue nine out of ten times and, and management sometimes don't realize that or won't actually face the facts. <laughs> And they think they can change the world by having a morning meeting. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, and if I may add, um, I, I understood your questions in the context of is there any situation when micromanaging uh, is, is beneficial or is needed? And, um, and I think a, a part of 
micromanagement, the, maybe the over control uh, you can have in, in crisis situations where, where you really want to keep a very close control uh, in the in the maybe directive uh, approach. Like we mentioned, when you have a very new employee, very inexperienced, you want to give very clear uh, directive uh, instructions. But in, uh, let's say, natural day to day management, I I personally find it uh, uh, not not very convenient, uh, not very uh, supportive of employee development and also well-being. I mean, you you want them to be committed and engaged, and, and when you are limiting their their area of responsibility, usually you you lose that. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> and Bo, I know it was your your question or your statement, but is there anything that that you feel as though hasn't been covered yet that you'd like to to bring to the table on on your own? Topic. No, no, no. I think we basically covered it. Uh, and and as Costa says, uh, when you when you're doing crisis management, it may be a road you can follow or pursue, but but not not for too long. I think because then it then it just becomes every day, and people just tend to doesn't have the same effect all the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, brilliant. Well, I guess. Moving on to the to the next question then. Savia, could yep. you just identify what your question or statement is and just give yep. some context? So we've discussed already that we've touched on the fact that, you know, different people would have different approaches, particularly different maturities. And I guess maturity doesn't necessitate age. Even if someone entered this domain at later on in life, they might not know what entails this domain. So there is definitely a difference between how we treat our team members, depending on that maturity. And so before I give my input, what is your personal strategy, strategy. dealing with the least mature members and then all the way to the most mature and as such most autonomous team members on your team? Like, how do you manage and direct each of them on the different sides of the spectrum? Great question. Who wants to go first? Well, I can I go. Can go. Yeah. <laughs> Go you on, go, Bo. 30 years experience, I think, gives you the right to start. No, no, Costa, go on. Okay, okay. so I'm, I'm, I'm very influenced by the situational leadership approach. Um, and, um, and the situational leadership uh, has kind of a very specific uh, system in, in uh, developing employees through their, their various uh, uh, developing development phase. Um, I also mentioned earlier in a in a very early stage, you maybe want to be more directive, give instructions, give a little bit of freedom, uh, but uh, but uh, understanding that uh, there could be mistakes over mistakes that that can also uh, limit a little bit the confidence of the employee. In the other hand, the the new employees need less maybe uh, motivation, uh, uh, encouragement because they come with the excitement of a new job. Uh, but as they move on. Uh, you need to create this scenario where they feel comfortable making decisions and taking, uh, um, let's say, responsibilities by themselves. So, so I like uh, some of the um, approaches of, for example, throwing questions back when uh, when they come to ask you how how should we do this, uh, ask back, okay, how would you do it? And uh, and then maybe they come with different uh, approaches and and you can kind of guide the answers to go the right way. Also, when they come asking for help. Uh, help, not not do the work, uh, because the, uh, we we tend to say, okay, it's going to take too long to explain it. I'll just do it myself, and then slowly help them build up that uh, that um, 
confidence and, and, uh, and learning. And maybe one specific case, which is, uh, of course, when you have a, a very experienced uh, employee, you, you mostly delegate on them. But uh, I think we all go through crisis and then you have an employee who's, who's very experienced and comes back with uh, doubts and, uh, OK, I'm not sure I'm doing things so well. And, um, and then um, I like to, to point them back in history. Okay, but don't you remember last year when we had this issue and you took took it by yourself and got it solved? And uh, okay, of course you have to trust yourself. And what do you think? How should we do it? And and then slowly build back that uh, that confidence. It's a great point, Koska. Um, Bo, anything to add on on Koska's point there? Well, I, I, I've got part of the approach that Koska has as well. Uh, sometimes I tend to if, if uh, especially maybe those who are not so mature, if they come back to me and ask uh, how can we or what what would they like or what would I suggest, I tend to also ask the questions, well, how would you do it? What's your approach? And then we can discuss from there. Uh, the other thing is with the more mature people, uh, I would often say if they come and ask me how to do something, I'll send them back with two questions and <laughs> what, to try and jog their uh, experience and, and, and make them come back to me again. And also, if, if they are going to ask me, you know, uh, how, how would you do this? I would say, well, how would you do it? Do you please get back to me with two possibilities. If we go left, it would mean this. If we go right, it would mean this. And which one of those would you propose and why? I mean, that that usually, to my experience, also helps uh, employees grow, gets them some confidence. Uh, it shows you have trust in them. And, and as I say uh, often to them, okay, you can make a mistake. If you make it on the right grounds, or at least have some grounds you've done it on, I'll back you up. Uh, because I think that's important that they need to know that you have their backs. Whatever happens, whether it's a good decision or a bad decision, stick with them. Maybe it's a mistake. Fine. Do it again. <laughs> yeah. And I think my, my perspective on it, I think... Um, Coming from another culture, and I guess maybe Koska can can give his input on this, and working in Scandinavia, Scandinavia really encourages autonomy, really wants us to get to this perfect ideal state, which is, I guess, the most mature of a person in a team, which is you just delegate and you don't need to give much direction because they know the objectives of your company, they know the milestones, and they will just basically run with it. That's where we want to move everyone eventually, and this is where high performance of a company begins. But I think taking it a step in the beginning, and this is why I say maturity has nothing to do with age, because also different cultures encourage different lack of or extreme autonomy. So I think what I've perceived as well sometimes in my career that the least mature part of the team I gets treated with one of two ways. Either you have a, a manager that ends up being very micromanagerial because as I said in the beginning, their neck is on the line and then they miss the opportunity of teaching that person. Or on the other hand, they come into a workplace where everyone's autonomous. You need to just do it. You know, we will trust you. And then no one really gives them training. No one really teaches them. And then you have 10 years down the line, a manager level who really doesn't know how to recreate their steps. They've winged it so many times that they really don't know how to recreate. So I guess 
to kind of clean that up, I would say for the least mature people, it's more of an interval control or like the, as Koska said, in crisis. But I say it's an interval time for giving control. And that's not control, but like a directive style, as you said, like telling them what to do, explaining to them why they need to do it, because the end result is that. And for me, this is very much a short term approach. Because I know that if I leave them unattended, they're going to ruin things. And it's not their fault if they do something wrong at that point. But also, this is not a long-term proposition. Because if they don't learn more on them, obviously, this is a temporary situation. We need to move you along. And then moving on in maturity phases, obviously, the next thing I would do maybe is try to sell the approach to the person. So if they're a bit more mature, like, how would you do it? Or... Maybe this is a good idea. What do you think? Would you do that or not? And then the next level after that, maybe involving them in project, in decision making and problem solving all the way to get to the point where they don't need my push. They just need me to say the project has started. Go do what you what you do best. So I think, yeah, the thing that I really wanted to take away is that regardless where someone is in their career, their culture, the where they've worked before really matters and giving them Maybe we call micromanagement sometimes everything that has to do with trying to control a situation, but it doesn't need to be micromanagement. It could be education. And that is good yeah. because if you educate them in the beginning, you know that they're on the right path rather than just uh, winging it. Yeah, exactly. And I like the the comment on on the Scandinavian culture of uh, of autonomy because uh, and it's a side comment, but it, but it's related. Uh, maybe a, a thread we have with the youth coming up. Because uh, in sports, uh, as I mentioned, I coach and I coach youth. Uh, the kids are really scared of making mistakes, and uh, that's going to limit them a lot when they move into the uh, professional field. That's why that's why we we try to push that uh, sports approach into into business. And of course, you don't want uh, employees to make a big mistake and lose 500 million in uh, in the business. But um, but you can create an environment where where um, where they can make mistakes. And and, uh, and Paul also mentioned uh, if you give them if you tell them, OK, give me two scenarios, uh, scenario A, what would be the consequence scenario B? And they come and they can come with the wrong calculations, or wrong assumptions. And that's the environment where they can make a mistake and learn from it without any any uh, loss. And of course, in the technical world, you have your test pairs, you have labs, and that's the place also where you can um, uh, uh, really try to 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 to, to uh, step out of the comfort zone, try things they haven't tried, and, and uh, come up with uh, with ideas. But I think it's a very important uh, comment. Uh, the, that autonomy comes with the with the being comfortable with trying things, regardless of of uh, the fear of mistakes. I also like uh, your point on uh, culture, Syria, because and especially when you look at uh, at least Europe, maybe Scandinavia also, but uh, versus American uh, styles, because uh, we had a, an American appointed, uh, appointed as a manager of our department at one point. And the first thing he does is try to micromanage every project that we were running. <laughs> and we, we had to, you know, have a meeting with him and say, look, we, we are pretty senior people here. We know what we're doing. We can do our jobs. If you get up in your helicopter and stop playing around on the ground, we'll probably get on really good. And, and I mean, that's the difference in culture. 
and he was not really into infrastructure that we were working with at, at that point, but was more on the system development part. And those are two different, totally different worlds, if you like. Um, so, so we started actually uh, helping him find out what it was to be a leader because he hadn't tried that before. It was his first leadership appointment. And it actually worked out pretty well. I mean, he, he really did become uh, someone who tried to stay in the helicopter. We had to remind him sometimes, but yeah, fine. So, so it doesn't necessarily, as you said, have anything to do whether you're old or young, or but culture can be the, the fact as well. To end on that before I give it back to you, Jake, but because I always try to come in any situation, even if I'm being micromanaged, this is this is one of my mottos in life. I come to it from a place of kindness. Why is that person doing this? And I think when we look at culture, particularly whether it's east, west, north, south, the where someone is coming and particularly as, a, as someone who should be a leader is coming from a place of micromanagement. I always look back to at when they were not a mature individual in their career, how were they taught? Going back to what you both are, have been saying in Costco went on about is getting them a clear and a safe place to make a mistake. And I think maybe using uh, the US as a country, but I guess more capitalist nations, the, the, the uh, cost of making a mistake quite literally but also quite, you know, in your career and the punishment that you might get is severe because they will not let you make a mistake. And that makes you into a manager who is scared that your team is going to make mistakes, basically. Yeah. So it's a good way that the team taught him, again, how that they, they're able to do their, their job as well. And, and if you think about it, it's a, a micromanaging. It it becomes a, a kind of a chain effect. If, if you if you as a manager want to know every small detail, that means your your teams needs to know those details when you ask them. So they are going to ask their employees for for uh, that level of detail, and then you create that culture not just within your team but all the chain down, uh, which is basically creating the the damage uh, deeper and deeper. So. Some, some great points there, guys, and I, I love the the real real world examples. Like, for example, you you Costco with the with the sports stuff that you mentioned, and and yourself, Bo, with the with the helicopter analogy was quite cool as well. Um, just to to move on to to your question, Costco or statement, um, would you be willing to to give it to us and give some context behind it too? Yeah. Yeah, so so the the point is that uh, we we've been talking about uh, uh, micromanaging and reasons for it. Uh, I mean, uh, sometimes uh, leaders are very new; they want to make sure that nothing steps out of the of their control. Uh, sometimes there is low trust level with their with their teams, or or they just want everything to be perfect uh, all the time. Uh, the point is that uh, that leads them to micromanage and. Um, my question would be if if you find yourself in that situation, it can happen to us, or if you know of someone who's in that situation, what what would be your advice on what uh, were the good habits or or good behaviors to try to to correct that? Mm, I can I can start with that. Um, so I think I, I guess you guys are noticing my pattern. I like to put things in points, <laughs> and that's that's my <laughs> consulting engineer background. <laughs> so I will kind of put that in four points as well. So. The first thing is my advice would be for them to take a step back and again, what is their what is the result um, they hope to achieve? 
And I think most uh, most people who micromanage, um, you do have the uh, the the rare occurrence where someone is really a bad apple and they really just want the control. But on the other hand, you also have the situation where someone has zoomed so deep into what they're doing that they've lost view of the bigger picture. So the first thing I would like to tell them is take a step back and try to assess your team on the basis of their results rather than the effort they're putting in. Because you could have a developer who's putting in effort that you're not seeing, but their result is brilliant. So if you're not seeing something, it doesn't mean the effort's not being put. If a developer is an introvert, doesn't really like being on a morning call every single day, doesn't say much, doesn't mean the result is not happening. So try to look at the results and not at, at your perceived effort. And then my second point is, um, and you guys have touched on this before, don't give people directions, but rather try to sell them on or try to direct them with questions uh, because that way you don't seem like you're asking them what to do it, but you're rather asking them if it's a good idea and that and, an, and a question opens up the place for an answer. Do they think it's a good idea? Maybe they have a better idea. Um, and then the other point relating to the questions is trying to make your questions not just open-ended, but trying, it's particularly if someone is not used to, you, or you as a manager think your team is not so mature, so you need to manage them in a way, make your questions about the outcomes. So what do you think we need to do to get to that outcome? Don't like granularly ask in details. Don't interrogate them. How did you do that? Particularly in Bo's example, if you're not someone who knows infrastructures, and if I explain it to you, like I'm in data and AI, I get this all the time. I explain to you how that neural network was built. You would, would you understand? You know, like so. It's it's more about what do you want from an outcome. Try to get them there, and then help people solve their problems from your experience, but don't solve them for them. So also again, like take a step back, identify if what you're saying is giving them the solution or helping them get to the solution because again sometimes your perceived solution might not be the perfect one so so yeah look at the result not the effort ask questions and don't be too granular yeah i think that that also leads back to uh, what i was saying before around the the management style where where we had to you know like intervene and, and tell this guy well we do know what we're doing We'd love to 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 get on with our work, but what we need you for is more taking the helicopter, looking at the big picture, uh, go into all the political dialogues with other departments, why we're not getting resources, why this and why that. That's what we need you for. And actually, we we ended up in a situation where he came and asked me if I would mentor him which was quite a, a, a funny situation, but he knew that I'd been a leader before and it actually worked out pretty good um, because we would have dialogues uh, openly uh, uh, once or twice a week, whatever was needed, where we discussed certain things and certain topics uh, around what he was doing, what he was working on to try and, and get him into that point where he was actually, instead of uh, interfering with what we were doing, were actually helping us do our job so that we got what we needed on our side. And I mean, uh, that's probably not common that you would see that happen in, in, in that way. But I, I think it just happened because I was 
there and had tried these things before and he needed someone to guide him because it was his first appointment as a leader and he needed someone who tried it before. Uh, and the company was probably not very um, aware of the situation, to be honest. But but it turned out uh, pretty good, I think. Uh, he's he's still running that department and he's doing a good job, in my opinion. <laughs> nice. So 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 that's also something that I can recommend sometimes uh, with people who micromanage. Give them a coach or find out if, if somebody can coach them and help them in, in their perspective of how things should be. Uh, I think that's uh, very relevant. And, and when I look at, uh, at sports and stuff like that, coaching is usually what happens, right, uh, Costa, in, in, in one yeah, way or another with what you do as well. So I think that's that's a very valid point to, to that. that yeah. People sometimes need mentoring or coaching in one way or another. Yeah, yeah. I think just having a uh, someone from from outside uh, giving you opinion is already is already good. It doesn't even have to be an expert on the on the topic. But I like the the comments. I'm I I had um, I'm also very process oriented. I had kind of five points, uh, and you've touched somehow uh, uh, a big part of it. For me, one of the first points is to, to to learn how to live with uncertainty. So you don't need to know everything and you need to be okay with uh, not knowing everything. Just understand what is uh, essential for you to know. And then, uh, like like you mentioned, uh, Saria, focus on the big picture and let the details for, for, the, for the team. Uh, the second point is uh, to exercise delegation. So delegate actively, even even if you are not sure you are micromanaging, to to make sure that that's the case. So you need to establish the priorities, the the areas that uh, that you know you need to do, and uh, and the difference between what is important and and what is urgent. So so all urgent stuff you can delegate if it's not really that important, and and even the important part you want to go through you, but. Um, Maybe not necessarily um, uh, that it, it stays only in you. So you create a, a workflow within your team, and uh, and you still uh, have the, the the picture of what's going on. Uh, you also mentioned if they ask for help, uh, uh, help, not do the don't do the work. Just uh, give them guidance and, and make sure they they work on it. That's also something uh, in sports we do a lot. Uh, you have a, when you make corrections to the play, you ask them questions. Okay, what do you think is not good to 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 make this action? What would you do? What would happen if you pass the ball to this side? And then they slowly come to to understand the why behind it. Not not just that there is a rule that we always do it um, like that. Uh, the third point for me is uh, to use empathy, and I think you have also mentioned this. You you can ask yourself, how would I feel if my if my boss, if my manager is uh, is behaving like that, and then you can immediately understand. Okay, I, I would really not like it at all, and and that helps you kind of uh, adapt your your behavior a little bit. Uh, use the emotional intelligence, try to read emotions, uh, use active listening, etc. Uh, then the fourth point is uh, to involve others in, in decision making. Uh, and, uh, and that doesn't mean that they will be taking the decision, but at least ask, make sure they, they are part of the decision. Maybe take more ownership on deciding the what and, and not much the how, which uh, maybe it goes more into the details. And um, and then if, if they come back with the question, we've mentioned this before, but then throw the question back. 
If they are the ones asking you, but how should we do this? Then you ask Mocha, how should you think we should do this? And, and that's helped. And then on your on your area also, Saria, use data for, for decisions uh, and then uh, less opinions and more data. And then that, that makes it more, more clear for everyone. And, and my last point, I, I hope I'm, I'm not extending myself too much, uh, is communication and feedback. So, so you need to have a very close relationship with the team, uh, build a, a, an active, constructive, uh, frequent communication, understand uh, what, what are their goals, their expectations, what is their personal purpose in life, uh, what are their plans for development, etc. And, uh, and then that will give you an idea also of uh, maybe you don't think you are micromanaging, but based on knowing them, that's a little bit micromanaging for them. Uh, listen more than talk in, in meetings and, and all of that. Uh, create a, a feedback culture in the team, a healthy culture where everybody is comfortable not only receiving the feedback, but also providing feedback up and down. So you should also be able to tell your manager, I'm, I'm not happy with how we did this and all of that. And then, uh, very important, uh, don't don't steal the credit for other people's um, work, and even share the credit for your own work. So very transparent when you are talking about uh, performance innovation uh, and all of that, and um, and uh, make sure that everybody is aware of what they are doing. I, I liked also, Saria, your comment on on uh, understanding the effort behind the, the achievements that, that they have. Amazing. And so something I I wanted to to discuss with you guys because obviously I'm somebody who's not a manager so I, I'm never been in a position to kind of micromanagement anyone and I've got a group of leaders in the industry in front of me here who, who have had people underneath them in, in organizations before so from my perspective this is all like new to here which is cool but frequently mentioned in this discussion so far has been like culture different leadership styles but on the more individual level, in your you guys' experiences as managers, do you not think that some people respond well to being micromanaged? No. I will. I okay. So I think this is, and I think everyone saw me laughing at this. I think <laughs> the sad truth is that on the ground, some people do respond to that. Not okay. I need to amend that. Respond by meaning they do what you say because. And I will go back to when I asked my question. When you have missed the gap of training someone properly, and when you're coming from a culture, and by whenever I say culture, I don't mean culture as in I'm Lebanese and Bo is is Danish, for example. It's I mean work culture. I mean where you've grown up. The culture affects that because if you've been in a place where you've been mind-numbingly just doing what you've been told for. 10, 15, 20 years, or even just four years. And then you move to somewhere where suddenly someone is just giving you the autonomy. You might not want to do that because it being autonomous requires effort. Being autonomous requires uh, you owning the freedom, knowing that that freedom comes at a cost, even if cost is not punishment, but it means that you are contributing to the team, means that you have to think through things means you have to put in the work and you know put in the opinion and all that and a level of creativity is expected of you right so going back to what i said i do think and i might get some backlash on this i do think that some people want to be micromanaged because on the one hand they're used to it and on the other hand it's being micromanaged is annoying however it is less effort because you could just say 
I was told to do this and I did it verbatim as they told me. And if it's a mistake, not my problem. They told me to do it exactly as I did it. And so I did it and it doesn't really require much effort. And this is why I led with the fact that training people on becoming autonomous is very important because if we don't do that, you're going to get someone who's been micromanaged their whole life and they will want to keep being micromanaged. That's my opinion, at least. Yeah, I think you're I think you're right, Surya, because there are people who feel a sense of secureness when they work like that and and they they want to work like that. Some people really feel that uh, that it's fine to just do the same day in, day out, and that's that's the secureness they want. So so yeah, some people are. It, it can be positive in that sense, uh, and I, I think that's fine. Uh, and you basically need to know if you have anyone in your team that's like that. Uh, because you then you can treat them as that and they will probably shine in doing what they are doing. But if you try to challenge them and, and give them small challenges and try to make them go in directions that they're not secure with, you may get exactly the opposite uh, impact. So, so I totally agree with you. Yeah, sure. I think uh, I, I, I fully agree. There are people who, who like to be micromanaged. Maybe my my sports approach uh, would be more into, like Sari also said, educating them into into slowly be comfortable not being micromanaged. micromanaged. Uh, I think in in the um, as leaders we have a responsibility among other things to develop our, our teams and and uh, and then when you find a maybe a weakness is is good to to help them maybe this is not a weakness so but but uh, but there may be a, a point where you decide okay this is not going anywhere and and then there will be people who stay like that uh, but if if i may share a quick story um uh, we had a um, it's a sports story but i think it can relate to business uh, we had a coach in the club who we were talking about how to uh, follow up with uh, with players and he mentioned, well, we also need to agree with the players how to communicate with, with them. Uh, and I asked him, what do you mean? And he said, yeah, I have a player who, who feels really uncomfortable talking face to face. So he asked me if can we talk over messaging. Uh, and, um, and then uh, that's much easier for him. And I said, OK, that's good. And how is it going? And he told me, yeah, it's good. Now we talk over messaging uh, all the time. Then I thought, okay, that's, that was not my question. My, my question was more, how is he doing now? Because I was expecting that you as a coach would uh, help him get more comfortable with that one-on-one -on -one communication. So maybe we agree we're going to talk on Messenger, but at least once a month, we need to sit down during the first three months. And then uh, once every two weeks. And then, so so you actually help uh, the individuals developing the areas that maybe they are, they are weak. And he's never, never going to be a... Uh, a fully uh, open uh, kind of uh, uh, extroverted person, but at least he's going to feel more comfortable and be able to to attack uh, challenging situations where he has to meet face to face people without so much um, trauma. I don't know if you agree or. Um... I think you guys have really like answered the question that I was after there because when I joined Evolution, like. It was straight out of university, so I hadn't really had a full-time job before. And like you said, Saria, being autonomous requires quite a lot of effort. 
And in my case, when I joined Evolution, it's quite an autonomous company. So they, they promote like you do your own thing and you run your own business, essentially. Um, but being autonomous does require effort. And in my case, it was a lot of organization, which was a skill that I didn't really have at the time. So I was kind of set up with all this freedom and I was like, yeah, this is great. But then the results weren't coming. So at that point, a bit of micromanagement came in. And I also agree that it's a bit annoying to be micromanaged, but it worked. <laughs> like, I made sure that all of the targets and stuff that I was being, like, essentially micromanaged on were being hit because I got, it was that essential kick up the arse that I needed. Um, and then the micromanagement then weaned off slightly, and I think that was a really good approach for somebody like me. Mm-hmm. But maybe in, in that moment, uh, like like Sadia said, a phase within your development. We, I, I mentioned earlier the situational leadership. We I had a training when I started uh, taking leadership roles, uh, and we had this role play where where they gave you a script and you had to represent a person, and they gave me the role of a very new person who knows nothing about uh, the work, uh, very excited about doing my job. And they gave the the manager the role of someone who's delegating everything, not giving any instructions, uh, full autonomy. And I felt stress, even though it was fictional. <laughs> you feel the stress because you you really see, yeah, but I, I don't know. I need I need the directions. I need instructions clear. I need you to review what I'm doing, confirm that it's okay. So so I don't I I think uh, I don't know if it was Bob Saria who mentioned it's not really micromanaging. It's it's part of the education path. And that requires being a bit more more um, specific, maybe. Exactly. I think also well, to end this from my end, it's exactly your your case, Jake. Where in consulting, we often get grads, and we the 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 toughness there is. And I have to say, in Scandinavia, it's like a, it's not that tough as much as like in the Middle East or South Europe or the U.S. Because you're just picked off the tree from university where you could have been a GPA for in the American style, like top of your class, you know, super egotistic about being amazing and what you're doing. And then you hit the ground running in a consulting project where you don't know anything and your ego takes a massive hit because you don't know what's going on. So I had a situation where I had an analyst. It's a technology project and they gave us an analyst who was coming from strategy. So that person is new to strategy and then they're putting them on a technology implementation because we were understaffed and we needed someone and then this happens in the big companies so that person all the time she needed to write user stories so like car user cards and you know like know the lingo of how to develop and i remember she looked almost all the time she's one of my mentees now she looked like a deer stuck in headlights like all the time she was panicked all the time she didn't know what to do so my approach was i admit it was micromanagerial not annoying but i took with her almost every other day a session where i would literally wireframe things on the board and like walk her through what is expected because i can't assume that she's going to deduce how to get there because people go to university for this you know so and this is why i'm saying like there are the people where like you jake you know you are gonna get your training wheels off but then the other extreme is the people who have been doing this for ages and they've been micromanaged for ages and they just simply want to keep doing that and in my books i think these are people with like a stiff fixed mindset and as i led with my question for me I call it a short interval period of control. It shouldn't be consistent. If I feel, and this might sound a bit harsh, but if I feel like I need to do this forever, 
with this person, uh, I will cut the cord at one point because because we all need to be autonomous, even if I need to give them directive. But if the mic when we say micromanagement, it means I need to manage everything they're doing. And if it's that granular, it is way too much effort. I will just do it and it will be way less effort for me. So, yeah, that's my two cents. And I think that's it for me. Yes. That's a great point. And I think it's, it if anybody else like to add something now's the time because I think that's it if not that's a great way to, to wrap things up sorry but if anybody else does have anything to, to add then I'm, I'm more than happy to, to discuss it uh, I think I'm good cool okay well I mean I really enjoyed this one and I think moving forward when my manager asked me a question instead of telling me what to do I know that the trick that they're playing on me and they are secretly micromanaging me behind the scenes so <laughs> thanks for exposing that guys um yeah. but yeah I, I, as i mentioned great way to wrap things up just before we end i'd like to say thanks once again to all of you guys my guests uh, for sharing the thoughts today Koska, saria and bo all being really really excellent guests and uh, finally just for the listeners if you or anyone you know would like to fe- be featured on the future podcast then drop me a message as well I'm Jake Stamp. You can find me on LinkedIn or email me at jake.stamp at evolution-nordics.com. Thanks again, everyone, and thanks for listening.